this is one thing that has really shifted for me in working in the sex industry because in the beginning it was like, okay, we emasculate these drunk men and we manipulate them and mm -hmm. we take advantage of them so that we can make money and that's how this industry works. And there was a pivotal point mm -hmm. where I was like, no, fuck that. How can I support them to walk out feeling like a king? Like they can take over the world because they're a good fucking person. This is Awakened Love, the podcast, and I'm your host, Angel. This is a space where we get real, real about sex, love, and awakening. So strap in, let's go deep. What's up, beautiful awakened beings? Welcome to another episode of Awakened Love. Today, I am joined by Lana Shea, a lifelong holistic living advocate, ex-exotic dancer, psychonaut, medicine woman, and practitioner of the tantric arts. What's up, Queen? Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. So I just want to start us off with a light question. What star sign are you? <laughs> Capricorn. Hmm. How has that played out for you? Like, do you resonate with being a Capricorn? I actually really love that we're starting here because <laughs> yesterday I recorded a podcast and a big piece of that that was hilarious that we actually just got stuck on, stayed there and laughed for a while was we're having a conversation, my girlfriend and I, by the pool, just laying outside before we started the podcast. And uh, I said, you know, there was a guy that approached me and said, hey, I want to know what your sign is. And then he put my sign into that app. What is it? Pattern? Yeah. I think the name of it. And he said, Hey, look, we are such a good match. And I think we could have a relationship. And I told what? her, like, this is the number one way to turn me off. And there's no chance anymore. Here. We, we no longer match in any way, shape or form. I don't care what the app says. And that oh means my nothing God. to me. Astrology does not do it for me, bro. Um, and Lana, I said, does that I'd mean that we have no chance? <laughs> does that mean that this podcast has no chance? <laughs> I'm kind of we, into that. We have all the potential in the world. However, that guy, that guy, I told her, hey, you know, if some guy approached me and said, hey, I've done some time. I've done some time. I've been in jail. I got out and rebuilt my entire life. I'd be much more adamant to talk to him. I said, I know I sound a little hood right now, but I'm being honest. And out comes this guy, sits down, starts talking to us, and he goes, I just got out of jail and I rebuilt my whole life. Oh my and God, I was like, girl. When you're a witch and you got to watch your words because words be spells. And so like, are you guys dating now? <laughs> and also like, what's his sign? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes. He Bless. didn't tell me, but I told him about the story. It was yesterday. It was good. He was actually like this amazing motivational speaker. And he was like, I want to help you to like build your businesses. You seem like you're going to take over the world. I'm like, what is going on right now? Once again, <laughs> witch powers. Yeah. Wow. I'm so glad that we started here. And now that I got you in my sticky web, um, <laughs> can you introduce our listeners? Who is Lana? Oh, goodness. <laughs> now that we started that way. I know. Like, Just hey. from star sign to like, doop, 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 doop. <laughs> you know, I got you. I tricked you. Ha <laughs> You're good. She's good. Uh, who am I? Uh, I am. I really love to 
mention always that I was born in the Midwest in Madison, Wisconsin. So I am a farm girl of the heartland of the the Midwest, the the middle of the mm-hmm. country where we have like good old heart-centered people. And that's really uh, stuck with me and I feel good about it. I have so much pride, Midwestern pride. I'm like, I'm from a place where people are like, you know, really um, connected to the land and it's important that we love our cows. <laughs> And there is something to that, actually, because I am a very earthy person. And here we go back to the Capricorn. Um, (laughs) I'm so not into astrology, but BRB, (laughs) back to Capricorn. (laughs) Love it. Dish it, girl. (laughs) To come full circle, I really am a Capricorn. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. so that and uh, I've gone through um, this whole a paradox of like, all right, I came from the the farm land, the Midwest, uh, the heartland of the country, and then gone and found the most shadowy places that, well, that society believes are shadowy, like, you know, the sex industry. And uh, mm. I feel like I've gotten to this really well-rounded place at this point in my life and in so many ways. And I am just a curious person, so I want to keep exploring that, but on both ends of the spectrum. So overall, Mm. I think I'm just a really curious explorer of everything inside and out. Mm. Woman after my own heart, a seeker, Mm. dare I say. Yeah. Yeah. So you said something before we started recording. You said sex work is light work. Mm. And I just thought that was really interesting. And you just shared here that you yeah moved from being in the heartland to sex work and the sex industry and being I believe a sex educator um so clearly you've discovered the power within sex and so I'd love to know both can you extrapolate for people listening on what do you mean when you say sex work is light work and then part two of that question is like when did you discover that that this like inherent power and light within sex hmm these are big questions. I like it. Let's get right into the juice. Squeeze it. Uh, <laughs> let's see. So I stepped into the sex industry as an exotic dancer when I was in farmland, <laughs> when I was in Wisconsin, when I was uh, a little bit older than some when they um, become a stripper, should I say, when I was 22. And mm-hmm. that was just, you know, I want to make as much money as fast as I can and get the hell out of this country because I have tasted Europe and Asia and no more U.S. for me. Like that was the the impetus, you know. The catalyst was like being in France and just going to markets all day and being at parks and loving life and feeling like life was art and it was not <laughs> in the middle mm. of the Midwest. And I wanted to get back. Uh, I danced for maybe four four years before I met my now husband, but my husband at the time. Uh, And when I first met him, I told him, hey, I don't want to get into a committed relationship unless it's with somebody who wants to dive into the tantric arts. And that was because I had a girlfriend when I was in my early 20s who said, you know, I started sleeping with this guy and it's like cosmic. It's mind blowing. We're not taking anything, but I feel like I'm so high and it's because he practices Tantra and he's mm. teaching me all these 
tantric things and I'm having mind-blowing orgasms. And I was like, what? I want that. <laughs> it took everything. <laughs> Every guy after that had to hear my whole spiel. Like, I don't really know exactly what this stuff is, but I know that I need you to do it with me. Yes. Uh, so we started practicing. I'll just shorten the story a little bit. And uh, because we were so deep into it and so committed to practicing with each other, it came into my time at the club. So I didn't really have a filter. I wasn't one of those dancers who had this whole spiel made up and I would, you know, I didn't ever make up anything about my age or my story. It was just like too much work. So I was authentic from the very beginning, even the whole like stereotypical stripper thing, like, you know, drinking and doing drugs and like, um, you know, needing to bring in my designer purses and all of this. It was not, none of that was happening. Like I started, you know, from myself in the beginning like all right I'm I'm telling you right now that you can't keep drinking all night and that you need to start hydrating now like I would tell my clients the weirdest shit you know they were just like are you telling me to stop drinking you're supposed to drink with me I'm like no I think you're a little too drunk I want you to hydrate um <laughs> bless but then it, it moved on to tantra so yeah I started with telling them to hydrate giving them like health coaching Lana and then brought in uh, tantrika Lana and asked them if in the VIP they wanted to breathe together and meditate mm. and learn about the microcosmic orbit. And they're like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> who is so, this sex witch? <laughs> yeah, that, that was one I got a lot was the witch and the hippie and you're the worst stripper ever. Like, you're not trying to take my money. You're trying to teach me about breathing. And like, yeah, we can do both. <laughs> the worst or the best? Like, come on now. <laughs> Clearly, Where's that strip club? Well, I'd go to it. <laughs> we're opening it soon. Don't worry, that's coming. That's the other piece of oh, it. Amazing. I'll invest. Yeah. yeah. So there's that. I can go deep into that one, um, and there's so much more there. But I really discovered the power of the sexual energy and like sex work being light work when I noticed clients coming back and seeing a shift in them and also the way that they would connect with me. And I love, I have this pinnacle story that I actually, oddly enough, left out of my memoir about uh, being in the sex industry. But a man who came into the club in uh, when I was working in Vegas, he, he was on, he had taken MDMA, which is my medicine uh, before <laughs> before he had come in. He was drinking a little bit, but it wasn't the focal point, which is most people who come into strip clubs, especially in Vegas, you know, they're belligerent, they're drinking, whatever. That's the thing, right? Like people drink when they come to strip clubs. So it was exciting to approach him and I could feel it. I was like, mm, did you happen to take MDMA tonight? And he was like, yeah, we're all rolling. And I was like, oh, <laughs> the rolling group. <laughs> Thank goodness. So... I took him back in VIP and uh, I didn't have the words for it at that time. It was a few years before I got the languaging, but it felt a bit like a psychedelic psychotherapy session. And no, I am mm. not a licensed therapist, but it's a joke that, you know, all strippers are kind of therapists and thongs uh, because we really just do listen to people's problems and like, you know, console and 
Um, but you can take it a step beyond and like, you know, coach and support. And especially when people are yeah. kind of in that really vulnerable state and they're like, oh, this person's never going to see me again. Sometimes they divulge, you know, the deepest, darkest or, you know, the most vulnerable things about themselves. And uh, so we went, we went in deep, the, the guy on MDMA and I, and <laughs> it was enjoyable, really enjoyable. And uh, I didn't know at the time, but he was, um, he was a school teacher. And that was something I learned later when he, we didn't exchange phone numbers at this time. I'll take it back just a little bit or share any information. So we had no connection w- once we left that session in the VIP. And then uh, I was very public very soon after about my time in the sex industry. So the book was coming out. I was doing a book campaign and uh, I was publishing articles on Medium and things like this with my dancer name. I've had the same dancer name forever. And he found me actually like six years later. Yes, I was dancing for a long time. Uh, and he came in and he said, do you remember me? Well, you met me while I was on MDMA in Vegas and, uh, I'm a school teacher and our session changed the whole way that I interact with my students and the way I live my life. And, you know, you told me to, uh, eat some mushrooms and go into the redwoods in the Bay area and San Francisco by myself. And I did it and it, it was life affirming and all these things. He was just going on and on. And I was like, oh, Wow okay, this is some powerful shit, this, you know. You know what it makes me think of? And I was, yes, yeah. I mean, I'm feeling it. And it's making me think of, you know, in ancient times when we had goddess temples and very often soldiers would come back from war and come into these temples with the goddesses and there would be plenty of tantric rites and rituals and pleasure and bathing and cleansing and loving and filling these human beings back up with love that were doing really difficult traumatizing things in order to preserve and protect you know these ancient villages and we've kind of lost those temples Um, and i was just talking to a client about this today because i was saying you know where is the pleasure education for men and for women but for men to learn how to open a woman, you know, and so many men are willing, but many of us as women get taught that it's a man's job to open us fully and completely, not to co-create that opening. And so then we give our power away and then we feel really resentful if our partner isn't opening us. And we're like, well, you're not doing it wrong. You can't open me. Instead of like, how can I initiate you? How do I learn to open myself so that I can initiate you into co-opening me and then me into opening you? And then here we go. Now we're in this like microcosmic orbit, tantric realm. And when I'm hearing you t- speak, I'm like, wow, sister, it sounds like you were creating a temple, like a goddess temple of right and ritual and initiation. And when I'm hearing you describe that, I'm like, wow, you initiated this man. <laughs> Damn. Oh. I love this. We're going, we're, we're tapped in, immediately tapped in. So exactly what you just said, I wrote about in my book, like to mm. a T, almost verbatim, some of it that you just touched Whoa. on. There is definitely, <laughs> I'm feeling this, like there's a collective weaving going on right now, especially amongst our, we are definitely connected in our network of, you know, Southern California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, the, the call to action for during the book campaign before I published the book was, uh, for sex workers to really claim their power, their, their sexual energy 
and mm. to co-create this conscious strip club. And that's the easiest way for me to articulate it. But it really is, you know, coming back to those those Dakini temples, you know, because maybe we aren't calling in the men who have gone to war like it was. Um, who knows? We don't know what's going to happen in the future. But men yeah. are going to war every time they walk out into this current matrix, right? So, yes. I mean, the women too. We all are. But we yeah, we're do need <laughs> we need those temples. Where did they go? Yeah. Uh, yes. And and I think that strip clubs really are those temples. We just need to keep shining the light on them and pulling the light out and like shifting the dynamic and also pulling the the alcohol out. That's a big thing for me. Um, my whole life yeah. is about holistic living and health. And I am not an advocate for all the socially acceptable drugs, including mm. alcohol and sugar and <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I don't think anyone's ever been like, you know, when I'm my best self is when I'm blackout or like, you know, last <laughs> night you were wasted and I just feel you, you were like a better version of you. It's like, no, dude, <laughs> that's just not true. There's a time and a place for that medicine. And I think with most substances, there's like a form. For example, if we think about cocaine, like to me personally, I think that that is not a medicine that brings a high frequency. You could chew coca leaf though. And then that there's a frequency mm -hmm. that so there's, there's a form of that medicine and, a, and an amount of that medicine. But then we bastardize it into cocaine covered in blood with that industry. And then, yeah, we wonder why the frequency is so low. Or it's like alcohol set and setting and, and quantity. It's like one to two glasses of wine with a small group of friends after, after a meal. And again, there's also like the biological aspect of that. If you've eaten food, and you're drinking wine with food, then it's not going to hit you so hard. You're not drinking a vodka shot on an empty stomach. If you're sitting around with friends that you already have a safe container, if you get a little bit more loose lipped and like loosey goosey, like that's a beautiful thing, right? There's, there's like t time and place for all these substances and these medicines. And I just wish that we had a proper education around that instead of just like sex are bad, drugs bad, like this is okay. Alcohol is okay. Even if you get fucking blackout drunk, it's like, it's, it's so much more nuanced than that. I think this idea of strip clubs as temples is so interesting to me. And it's interesting because I've always loved the idea of strip clubs. Like I've been to them and think like, there's been a few where I'm like, damn, this is like some Cirque du Soleil shit. Like, oh my God, everybody, more money for this woman. Like, whoa, like, wow. And then there's been other times <laughs> when I've been into strip clubs and I'm like, I just get this like, sick feeling in my stomach where I feel like this, like, oh my God, is that woman okay? Like, I don't feel like she's okay. This doesn't feel okay. Like, I want to just get the fuck out of here. Like, and, and, and so it's like, we're talking about what I'm hearing you talk about is like the high vision of like what these spaces could be where we restore beauty, right? On the altar of the sacred, because let's face it. We all love fucking beauty. We love to look at the mountain. I'm looking at the mountains right now. Like I look at art, I look at things and it moves me. And beauty isn't just about, is not perfection. Those mountains are not perfect. Someone singing a beautiful song is not perfect. Like mm. watching someone hug their kid really beautifully. Like it's, there's mess in it, but it's, there's something that like, that moves us. And watching a woman in her power moving the female form, like it is fucking, it's, it's sacred, it's beautiful, but we have to like restore it on that altar but there's so much distortion in that field because it's like you're speaking about the temple, this like high vision. And then I'm like thinking of the times where I'm like, I wish I went to that temple, but instead I went into this other like really crusty ass place where I'm like, oh my God, like what is going on um, in here? So it's like, um, where's the disparity there? Can you talk a little bit to the shadow side of this industry? And then let's try and see if we can walk our way 
we, if mm-hmm. we can cross the chasm, if we can close yeah. the gap. Oh, I love it. Oh, it's so good. Uh, so the, you know, I already mentioned it, the number one thing, the substances and um, coming in and it, people are already drunk or they come in and drink and there's this disassociated sort of vibe once people start drinking and also coke you know it's funny you brought up coke so they're drinking and they're doing blow and it's like okay we cut off any potential for connection at that point and that's the major shift there you know if they come in and they're ready to actually connect and they take something like mdma instead of alcohol before they walk in or maybe a microdose mm-hmm. of mushrooms or you know maybe they don't take anything but i'm a huge advocate for psychedelics which we can go into that in a moment but uh for the potential to connect. I think you probably have things to say here too. Uh, but the that is what people are looking for, I believe, when they walk in, but squash any possibility of it once they start disconnecting with substances. And also it being at night. You know, it's always at night when people are going to strip clubs. Yes, yeah, some are open during the daytime mm. and, you know, there are people who frequent clubs in the daytime but mostly it's a nighttime thing right like oh it's late let's go to the strip club and do the things that are in the shadows and the dark the naughty things the sexual things the like you know the things we don't want to talk about what what happens in vegas stays in vegas like Mm. no sex is not it's not a dark thing it doesn't need to be associated with the dark it doesn't need to be in the shadows like let's bring it out into the light like can we have windows in the strip clubs uh, strip clubs do not have windows. They never have windows, right? Uh, oh, it's like it has light. to be tra- literally. It's like, yeah, it's like let's trap it in this like cell type, you know, prison cell type box. It's like, all right, we're we know we're going to do something dark and naughty. Uh, that piece, and then also mm-hmm. it's mostly. This is not necessarily wrong or bad because I love men. I love the masculine. I honor the masculine. But it's mostly it's men who run and own strip clubs, right? Uh, so there's something about that uh, dynamic that is not balanced. And there's so much there. We need a female-founded run. <laughs> Strip club, honey, conscious strip club. I'm like, I'm ready to invest. Where, where do, does this exist already? Are we creating it? Like, what's happening here? I'm so, oh, every time I just get chills. Whenever I start going into this with someone, especially one-on-one, I either get the line, I'm ready to invest, or I get, take my money, or take all my money. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, man, should I start writing down every time I get this line? Like, we've got, we've got yes. some real- No, you should just stuff. open a conscious- I mean, <laughs> you're doing that, right? This is what's happening? I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to New York tomorrow to meet with somebody who's running a strip club and- uh, also frequents Burning Man. Uh, mm-hmm. There's so much there. And that's all I need to say in this moment. But uh, And he is ready to move more into the conscious realm. So things yes. are happening. happening. You're like, uh, can be like a conscious strip club consultant. My question is, and also I think you need to found one, just putting that out there. That's my, that's my personal <laughs> selfish request. Um, <laughs> I just love this so much. So my other question is, I love this, like the substances, so, so agree. Um, bring it into the light. I love that. Windows, like, I mean, I'm seeing like an outdoor event <laughs> in the oh. mountains somewhere beautiful. What about like supporting um, 
the dancers to like hold this energy because it's a fucking powerful force. You and I both work with this force and, you know, this force of Eros, like feminine radiance, Shakti, Kali, all the many different flavors mm. of mm. and faces of the feminine. Like this is not a toy. This is a powerful energy. And those lower frequencies, I mean, I myself have had to work through this, work through this in my lineage of like, using beauty to, to um, secure safety or like those like threads of manipulation that are connected to being disempowered systematically as women for so long. And like, like, I mean, how do we create the support or what do you envision that looking like? Cause I do also imagine that a lot of women who are attracted to sex work also potentially there is probably a higher proportion of trauma. Like I myself, right. I'm a sex educator and I'm a survivor of sexual trauma. That's why I was interested in healing through this. So what would you say to that about like that, you know, because that's a lot of people's objection is like, oh, these girls are, tra are traumatized. And it's like, well, yes. And who isn't, by the way. Um, mm. But how do we support women to do this in a way that is truly and authentically empowered? Yeah, there's definitely some some preliminary work, <laughs> right? Yes. Uh, so in building this and visioning it, I've done so much journaling. I've created a pitch deck. I've gone that far and spoken with so many women who have been in the sex industry for a long period of time, some of them longer than myself, and created a, a framework. You know, there has to be training prior and women who do understand the tantric arts. And this is going to sound so silly, but it makes so much sense. I, I jokingly say, um, you know, let's consult the ayahuasca strippers because there's so many girls that I have connected with who it, it, it's usually literally ayahuasca, but have explored with psychedelics and they're, they're tuned in in a different way once they yep. use psychedelics and walk into a strip club and Ooh. have a different awareness and a different frequency and also integrity changes. Ooh. It really shifts. They're playing the, the deeper game. Whoa. Yeah. It's like psychedelics initiates you into playing the deeper game. Wow. Ooh. This is a mind blowing conversation. I'm like, holy <laughs> whoa. So, whoa. And I mean, if you think about it, that makes sense. The temples, like you had initiates, you were initiated into carrying goddess wisdom. There was a lineage. And so mm. much of, you know, the desecration of these these lineages, particularly the wisdom that was carried by women, um, that's like what we're missing is like these structures, these lineages to hold us and help us integrate these energies that do require an energetic infrastructure to hold. Like even if we think about Kundalini and the awakenings people have and how people can go through like really whether you call it psychosis or whether a lot of the spiritual community is called like a spiritual crisis or a spiritual emergency um, that yes. is essentially – oftentimes someone getting activated too fast too soon without the proper care aftercare integration and energetic infrastructure and i think and i'm sure you might agree i see you nodding for those that are listening like eros and awakening the force of shakti is like just as powerful and to be tended to as awakening the force of ayahuasca or like mm. psychedelics mm. um so when does the program begin <laughs> to initiate <laughs> women <laughs> for the temple? <laughs> Where do we sign up? <laughs> oh, I love this. I mean, we're we're already mm -hmm. doing the work, right? Aren't we? I mean, I was looking mm -hmm. around through all of your magic and seeing that you have a program that's either starting or um, starting soon or already has started with Rachel. Yeah. 
um, Total Bay, mm-hmm. by the way. I was listening to that podcast and I was like wanting to stand up on, on my couch like and clap even though I was by myself. I was like standing fucking <laughs> over here. It was like something about like women wanting to be fucked open or something like that. And I was just like, oh, all of this. Um, <laughs> I'm being fucked open by this podcast right now. Yeah. <laughs> Cut from the same listening. cloth. Yeah. Oh, that's so fucking good. Oh, love mm. it. But that that is the work, isn't it? So women women coming together and supporting each other and also this deep understanding that is way under the I mean there we have this like facade, this like societal conditioning. I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but I I have to go here. I was just in I was spending a lot of time in Wisconsin recently where I'm from and just mm-hmm. I was spending time with my sister and my mom and whatever, my family, watching the dynamics of all these different couples and relationships. And there's always a reminder every single day, but there was, it just kept hitting me in the face that we are in such a a little bubble. And I have to keep remembering that and learning how to be the bridge and bridge the gap. Um, which dancing has been beautiful for that, uh, strip clubs, like just being aware of what's going on in the world. Uh, but we are really in a bubble. Not everyone has this understanding, awareness, or intention to honor their partner and to have that dynamic, that masculine-feminine dynamic where it's like I'm devoted and like I bow to you and I honor you and vice versa. Um Mm-hmm. And I'm. This is one thing that has really shifted for me in the in working in the sex industry because in the beginning it was like, okay, we emasculate these drunk men and we manipulate them and mm-hmm. we take advantage of them so that we can make money and that's how this industry works. And there was a pivotal point mm-hmm. where I was like, no, fuck that. I, how can I bring these men up and make them walk out feeling like? How can I support them? to walk out feeling like a king, like they can take over the world because they're a good fucking person. Um, and Oof. like digging inside like of them, metaphor? like where's the light? Yeah. Mm. Mm. Oh, yes. Yeah, my love. I, I, isn't that like a metaphor for fucking the feminine rising actually of like, as women, kind of overcoming let's say like we just have to name the elephant in the room like yes there has been a patriarchal reign there is still on this planet today in certain countries where gender violence um is a regular thing i mean even in the countries where we're more free gender violence is domestic violence it's like it's a problem and there's that shadow aspect that wants to rise up and say well fuck you and like let's flip the power let's invert the power now i'm on top of you like i fucking take from you versus what i'm hearing you talk about which is this beautiful like elevation and consciousness and this opportunity to say, no, I'm going to lift you up so that you can rise and be better. And so that we can be better together. Um, wow. Wow. And to do that through these spaces, what would you say to anyone who's listening, who's like judging the sex industry or like judging exotic dances or like that's wrong or bad, or like, what are some of the judgments you have heard? I'm sure you've heard a lot of them, like the main ones that you hear. And like, what would you say to people that are having those thoughts or judgments right now? Read my book. <laughs> uh, what's, honestly, it, what's it called and where can they find it <laughs> my, my book is is erotic hustle redefining sin through sacred sexuality and psychedelics and i didn't write this book so that people would read it i'll be really honest i wrote this book because i needed to for myself and to step out of and um 
write a new write a new chapter, start the new chapter for myself to step out of the sex industry and not feel like I had wasted a decade of my life. I had to utilize it as my own like cathartic therapeutic process writing this book mm-hmm. and to have people really close to me or maybe not even close to me read it like my editor oh a couple editors actually I had so many people go through it and just really see me and and say hey you have to go back you disassociated here you have to add some emotion you have to <laughs> you have to relive this. You can't tell this story like this. You can't just like recount everything and put it in a book. Like we need the the real shit here, like the grit, the juice, like go back, feel it, bring in dialogue, bring in emotion. Um, mm. Michael Ellsberg actually is the name of one of the people that went through and really, well, shifted everything for me in, in writing this book and really going deep. And showing the truth about someone, you know, who lived a very fucked up childhood and went into the sex industry and what I brought in there. And, and, you know, the whole, you know, strippers, sex workers have daddy issues, right? We've all heard that. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't, that's, that's a common one. Yeah. Yeah. I have fucking daddy issues and Mm -hmm. I'm working through them and very aware of them. And I put it all out there in this book and I'm not afraid to talk about it or even mention, yeah, I know a lot of girls who also have the same thing or they have an issue with this or they've, you know, experienced sexual trauma in some way, shape or form. And this is what it looked like. They had to face it in, in this industry, you know, where the mirrors up all the time. And there's a choice. You can either walk into the sex industry and keep re-traumatizing yourself and go deeper into it and, you know, disassociate with drugs and alcohol and all the things. Or you can look into the mirror and see like, all right, what do I do now? Uh, How do I start uncovering the pieces of myself that have been, you know, covered up by this trauma, if that makes sense? Mm. There's so much there. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think what I, what's coming through too for me is, you know, you often hear people say things like, oh, like you're objectifying yourself. And I'm like, why is it okay for men to have made and profited off women's bodies, whether it's through like trafficking and like unethical pornography, whether it's through even ethical um, forms of sex work, whether it's through, um, free labor through marriage how many thousands of years of like women being passed from husband um, father to husband and like our bodies have been used in so many different ways and women are not allowed to profit from it and as, as soon as woman mm. is like yeah okay i'm gonna actually <laughs> profit from this benefit i'm gonna benefit from this and like how is that any different than um making a piece of art like why is it that eros and dancing because it can and I can understand it, it it might not be that as you're saying if you're re-traumatizing yourself but like anything the action is fairly neutral it's like what you imbue it so I hope when people are listening they can they can really start to recognize that that yeah what would you say to that I love that so when yeah. women are going through this process whether they did walk into it you know it, it doesn't always have to be trauma right you don't have to yeah. have the stereotype slapped on you or you, you're someone in the sex industry and you have these issues or whatever. But like you were saying earlier, we all have something, you know, that we're working through. Um, but when you do find yourself in that industry, I'm speaking from my own experience, and there is this place of empowerment and you are feeling aligned and you're 
I mean, I would feel like I was, like I was saying earlier, um, sending people out better than they walked in. That was my intention. Whether or not they chose to, you know, (laughs) work on whatever I was giving them in that moment. Let's breathe together. Um, Yeah. (laughs) You know, when you're in that place, there is, uh, that's when the sex work is the light work, which you can do in Mm -hmm. light work in, in any realm. It's crazy, but I know it sounds a little so like on the edge to say that. No, um, I mean, well, you're, you're on the edge for our listeners, like the right edge. So it's like, welcome. This is, yeah, I think most people listening are nodding. You could be a postman. You could be working at the grocery store. You could be a parent. You could be a like painter, a sex worker. Like it's all light work if we're bringing our essence. And exactly as you so beautifully shared, are we in the intention to serve, to leave this space, this place, the people we encounter better than we found them. And you can do that in infinite ways. Why do you think people judge sex work so much? Uh, Because it's the most powerful sexual energy. It's the most powerful energy on the planet, right? It's the, the energy, the creative life force energy that created us all. The reason why we're all here without sexual energy, we would not exist. This planet would not, you know, our species would, would cease to exist. Uh, so I think that energy is terrifying for so many people because of the, the stigma and all of the bullshit that is not true, the things that <laughs> we've learned that are so very wrong that we can go mm. into, of course. But uh, I think that, that there's that fear, like, oh, this there's this powerful energy and people don't realize that, that it's like scary. And mm. then also just, I think that when people are in their power, it's confronting for the people who are not in their power and not to shame them in any way, but you know, like they're looking like, wait, I'm not there. What's that? Mm-hmm. That oh, mm-hmm. that doesn't work. I don't feel that when I look at you. It's this weird, I can explain it like energetically almost, like I can feel it in my body. Mm-hmm. And I don't wanna say mm-hmm. it to shame anyone who hasn't stepped into their power because I can definitely see myself like shrinking and being small in so many places and spaces in my life. But I felt that even among other dancers, you know, like this, sometimes there's this energy between girls in a strip club or anywhere in the world where there's this competition instead of magnifying one another. Yeah. It's just, it's the microcosm. It's the, mm. the same everywhere. Mm. How, how have you transformed that in your life? Like, I think it's such a pivotal initiation that every woman on this planet has to walk through or gets to walk through and may yet be yet to walk through, but the opportunity is there. This portal that you're talking about from competition to collaboration to celebration, like how how is that journey for you? Mm. Yeah, I, I'm remembering one specific, uh, evening when I was working uh, Mm -hmm. at the Spearmint Rhino in Las Vegas. And I just started there. It's a massive club. It's so intense. On a very busy Saturday night, maybe not currently, but a few years ago, there'd be 800 girls working. Um, The club is fucking huge. And imagine how many different characters and personalities and, you know, just like women who are like, they're kind of aggressive in a lot of ways. You know, these are very like dominant 
masculine women. Like they're in that archetype when they're out there like making money, you know? And Mm -hmm. there can be a lot of competition, but there can also be the complete flip side and a lot of collaboration and support. So I was sitting in this area and there were girls sitting there who the manager or some of the the hosts, they would call them, use when they when men would walk in the door that came in in um, the limo service or whatever, they'd say, okay, <laughs> excuse me, sorry, bless you. Uh, <laughs> they would send these girls. So they were like the girls that the club would um, work with to make money, you know, because they would tip them after they went in the VIP rooms. And so I sat down with this group and I never really felt intimidated uh, working with these girls or sitting in a group with them. But I did feel kind of like almost isolated in a way. Like, okay, I don't work the way that these girls work and the club doesn't really like me, you know, because I'm not going to work with the club because they would generally send these girls with men who would drink a lot and they wanted sexual favors and all of this. And it was never my thing. Needless to say, uh, I'm going to end up with them at some point sitting with girls who are working with the club. So I was sitting with them and this girl says, okay, well, I'm going to get us all in the VIP. This is a big group and whatever. So she's negotiating everything um, with the the guy that's making the decisions for the group and um, basically got us all in a room for the whole night for hours. Um, and we didn't have to do anything. I ended up just sitting down at that moment that she was negotiating. So she kind of made my night that night. And then at the end, uh, it was a great time too. Like while while we were all sitting in there together, like all the girls were, you know, chit chatting and like good to each other and sweet. We were kind of playful, and uh, all the guys left, and the girls who were sitting in there didn't know her, but we all sat together at the very end and handed her. I think we all handed her a hundred or fifty bucks or something like that. And we we're like, thank you for negotiating that for all of us. And her and I became close after that. And I realized that there were, like, you can feel this energy when you are even sitting next to, standing next to in the in the back room, whatever, with girls like this who are just there to uplift everyone. Um, and they do so much better. Uh, and they just, you know, they have this field around them, this, like, auric field. They're, like, light walking around and they're just magnetizing all of these amazing things and amazing customers like people who are more respectful and happy and uh and that was a huge moment for me and I was like okay Oof. this is great I just want to work with all the women here I want everyone the whole like a rising tide lifts all boats I'm like can we all help each other can we like all have a meeting together before we before we walk out yes Oh my gosh. And this is so translatable, like in any, across any context, right? I'm sure any woman listening can resonate with that feeling of when you recognize that, holy shit, this idea that competition, that I have to be this way in order to get my share is a lie. And when I collaborate, I receive so much more. It's so much richer. It's so much better. Like, oh, wow. And then the better it gets, the better it gets. And it's this like upward Mm -hmm. spiral. And you're so right. I'm so grateful to all the women in my life who taught me this as well, that came into my field and modeled this way of being to me, which was another option when I'd seen so much competition. And I had this story um, for so long, women hate me, women are jealous of me. I have to like kind of just be quiet power 
like, and just like hang back, but not shrink, but hang back because otherwise it'll put a target on my back, all this bullshit. And women are the ones that loved me open and helped me rewrite mm. that story. Now I always say, I love women, women, women love me. I'm a goddess magnet. And <laughs> like, it's true. Cause I love women and therefore women love me. <laughs> you know, it's like, and it's, and we get to just rewrite that story and how much richer is life together. Mm. This fucking, yeah, this goddess rising. Oh, I love the way that you're such a storyteller. It's so, so beautiful. I want to get time to touch on psychedelics as well. Um, yes. For you, yeah, for you to share. <laughs> um, we were talking, <laughs> I'm like, we're going everywhere, guys. Everywhere, everything, all at once. Um, strap in. <laughs> Shakti. <laughs> um, so, oh my God. Rachel and I recorded a podcast yesterday and we were so fucking on one. And I was just like, are we even okay? Like, can we even post this? Like, holy shit. They were like, so much Shakti energy. <laughs> Thank you. See, this is just it. We were just like, yeah. let's just do it anyway. <laughs> that whole like too much paradigm um so we were talking about um and i'm not sure and we can we can delete this if um so editors listening just delete what i'm about to say either way um but do you want to talk about combo yeah 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 okay so talk about we were talking about okay so we were talking about combo and i feel like combo is, is a medicine that is not as widely talked about. Like psychedelics, they're having kind of a renaissance right now, which is so beautiful and wonderful. And there are a lot of psychedelics that are like heavily um, circulated and talked about. I think, I feel combo is not one of them. So I would just love to hear you talk about combo, um, what it is, the process, um, the ritual, the benefits, mm. the dangers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This one, um, I'll start with my own story because I, I found combo because I went to have an iboga experience. Not sure if you're familiar with iboga, but I can yeah. explain. It's uh, the root bark of a shrub from West Africa, from Gabon, and they use it as their sacrament. And I'm not going to articulate this very beautifully, but I'm gonna say it anyway. When people came in and tried to convert, um, them in terms of religion they said no we're we're not converting we know god we have our god and they had this iboga this root bark of the shrub they're like we're we're very connected to our god we're not converting we we don't believe mm. you um and yes. there's it's it's by far the most powerful psychedelic on the planet it's like a three-day experience it's like you feel like you are in the journey for a lifetime so fucking mm. intense, but that's just a side note there. So I went to <laughs> receive this, this medicine at a medical facility in Mexico. And one of the assistants there, I'll call her, said, oh, do you know about combo? Because a lot of people receive combo before they receive Niboga because it helps with them, you know, cleansing out and like it makes the neurotransmitters Ooh, in your baby. gut available to... You did combo and then iboga. Whoa. Okay. Strapping y'all. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Got a warrior present. Jesus Christ. So we know now that we know that I'm super hardcore. No, um, I I didn't actually. Thank God I didn't actually receive the combo before the iboga, but that's when I learned about it. And mm -hmm. um, I'm glad that I didn't because when I actually found the first combo 
practitioner that I worked with in the ceremony, uh, it was not light for me in any way, shape, or form. Like some people I've served, I serve combo. Uh, they have this, you know, short, brief, beautiful experience, and it's it's not very heavy. There's no herxing, which means um, the Herxheimer reaction, which means things get worse before they get better. You know, like they it brings out whatever illness was in there, whatever. Um, there's so many different directions I'm going with this. I'm trying to keep it narrowed in. <laughs> um, I'm right here with you. You're doing great. There's so much there. I love it. So I had an, a surgical abortion when I was in my early 20s, and I suffered from extremely painful menstrual cramps for, for so long. It felt like a whole lifetime, but prior, post that uh, surgical abortion because it wasn't done properly. Uh, and I just would be writhing in pain on a bed like for three days, bawling my eyes out, shaking, sweating. It was so painful. And uh, when I first experienced combo, I was thinking, oh, I just want to do this because I've gone to Southeast Asia so many times. And I think that'll help eliminate some um, parasites and like the die-off symptoms and whatever. It'll help move things things through. Um, little did I know I was going to be met with a whole different healing team and that was the womb healing. So after maybe the, the sixth time receiving combo, you never know how many times it takes. I just felt myself needing to keep going back. I was called to keep going back. Um, mm. I relived that abortion like completely down to like I was laying on the floor thinking the same thoughts writhing in pain, like the shock that came because I didn't have, it was so bizarre. I decided not to do, they didn't put me under Well, when I had the abortion and they, they're like, oh, you have to sign this waiver. You might go into shock. You might die. You know, it's a really bad idea. I'm like, you know what? I don't care. I don't jab me with any extra needles. Like I'm not doing it. I don't know what I was thinking when I was in my twenties, I was just like nutty. So after reliving that abortion once, um, I thought, you know, uh, this is a powerful medicine. I I want to serve it myself. I want to carry this medicine. This you know, this is what I've been looking for for so many years. I'm always I've been looking for this like, you know, something that's deep and powerful. I've had a lot of illness in my family. Um, it happened four more times after that. This like reliving this abortion. And uh, my teacher, while I was doing the training, said, you know, I'm not able to give you the certificate. I'm, you're not able to finish the training right now at this time. You're going to have to come back because I can't stop the whole training every time you start reliving this abortion and you have like a two-hour process. So I had to leave the training and like right before we did this, what they call the warrior initiation, where you receive it three times in three hours. Uh, and. Oof. It's it's really intense, so I don't know what would have happened at that time. I had to leave, go through this whole process. Um, I wrote um, articles about this, so I won't go into it if anyone wants to hear the whole story. Uh, I did finally finish the training, and after figuring out what was going on with my womb and doing a lot of womb healing there and connecting to it and realizing how disconnected I was and disassociated and how much I held there, that almost had nothing mm. to do with the abortion so many other things um and combo really healed me and a year for an entire year after i became certified as a combo practitioner and carried the medicine i didn't have any cramps nothing after 10 years of like this excruciating pain nothing i would just go through my moon cycle and it was like beautiful and light and i felt more connected to my womb and 
it was like this beautiful journey of my inner womb space that combo Mm -hmm. allowed me to develop um fast forward there was a a miscarriage after that and I started getting cramps again but not anywhere near as excruciating like my cramps I know exactly when they're coming and what they come from if I have if I have my phone on during my moon or if I go outside in a a busy street or a city I get cramps immediately Mm. it's always a reminder to stay within and stay in a little nest and you know really dive into self-care and be with myself it's like a almost like a psychedelic journey when I bleed now you're shaking your head like I know you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a straight up psychedelic journey. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. I had this conversation with my mom, bless her. And she was like, yeah, like, I don't know why in Australia we have so many public holidays. Bless us. Love the holidays. And she's like, why can't we give women a couple days off a month just to like rest? We're so obsessed with public holidays. Let's like divert some of that energy. Um, wow. That's so incredible. So you, you, how were you, were you able to heal after the, the miscarriage and the cramps that came back with combo again? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm I'm kind of working through that now, actually, but I didn't yeah. exactly mention. So combo is the secretion from the giant green monkey tree frog, Phila medusa bicolor is the uh, full name of that species. And they live in the upper basin of the Amazon, like high up in the trees. And the way that the medicine is collected from the the Katukina, Kashinawa, Huniquin, Yawanawa, and Matsi's tribe is, um, I think there may be another one that uses this medicine, but uh, they sing a song, the frogs come down from the trees, so they they choose to come, you know, they don't have to come down, um, and they know what's happening because the shaman will tickle their toes is what they say. I haven't watched this process, I'll be completely honest, just like via video. And um, mm-hmm. they tie their little legs up like in the form of an X so that they can tickle their toes and then the secretion comes off the back. And they only take about 20%. So they leave the frog with its natural defense system, um, its defense mechanism. Um, and they use this within the tribes for all kinds of things, mostly what they call panema, which is like bad luck. They believe that it clears out bad luck. And then it's a hunting medicine. Mm. So the men will receive combo before they go hunt because it ignites their senses. You know, it clears them out so they can track the animal. Um, Mm. And then they use it for like children who are behaving badly, which I think they're probably behaving badly because they have like some hormonal imbalance or something. You know, they're teenagers or whatever. And combo really resets that, in in my opinion. Mm. I'm not a doctor. I'm not making any claims. But um yeah, from what I've seen. I, I raised a teenage boy with my ex-husband and he received a good amount of combo from practitioners and from both of us after we were trained and he loved it and it did a lot for him. So that's all I'll say there. Yeah. Uh, and and is it administered through burns? Because when people have done combo, they carry like a scar. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So the way that it's, it's a transdermal uh, treatment. So we use like the way that I was trained, a little herbal incense stick that's fine to burn the skin with. Mm-hmm. And we just get down to the dermis. It's like a little blister on the skin. And then we remove that skin just like with a wet paper towel. And then 
these tiny little uh, reconstituted, they look like little boogers. It's not not very sexy to talk about, but you put those on the little open gates and then it goes into the system very quickly. And then, you know, your heart rate goes way up and then it plummets down below resting heart rate. And some people can faint at this point and then you start purging. So it's like this, the, the secretion is like this chemical cocktail of bioactive peptides. Um, and it's been found to be the the most powerful natural antibiotic on the planet. Mm. So, um, wow. You know what antibiotics do. So uh, there are so many different uses for it. It's just beyond. And there are studies and things that people can look up, but there's so much more that, that can be done, needs to be done. Yeah. Wow. I was. It's interesting that you brought up the frog story because – Last night I was at a dinner. There's a huge um, psychedelic conference here in, I live in Boulder, but in Denver. And I was sitting mm-hmm. across from an indigenous couple and they were there to really preserve and give a voice to their medicine, peyote, and how much it needs to be preserved and to please don't create a demand for this medicine. Um, and I was listening to them speak and, and receiving their wisdom and they were talking about that concept that um, – they would witness, you know, and they themselves witness their uncles and their aunties, like able to call down an eagle from the sky by singing to it in the same way. And the eagle would come and land and they could take a feather from the eagle for their ceremonial garb. And like, just hearing you talk that that they call them down from the trees, these frogs, it's like, wow, this wisdom, this, this ability to communicate with all of life that we seem to have lost, um, yeah, it's just mm. it just seems interesting to me that you would bring that up when I was just listening to that story last night. Um, and like what a gift it is to receive. Yeah, it's in it's the true. field to I, receive this wisdom. Uh, I wish I, I'm yeah. glad you're speaking about it because I wish I was there right now in Denver for psychedelic science because they only have it every few years. And I attended the last one and um, am very deep in that in that world and co-created psychedelictimes.com with my ex-husband and then Entheo Ventures with my former partner. And the the whole psychedelic industry is where my heart is for sure. Hmm. I had a question like a, a biological, biological? I don't know if that's right. Silly, I'm not a science girl. Hey, I like that um, <laughs> I'm a metaphysical girl. <laughs> um, is, is there any contraindications for combo with heart problems? Like I know Iboga, for example, you have to be um, pre, because you're talking about heart rate. You're nodding your head. Okay, share about that. Yeah, absolutely. I have not been serving a lot of combo. I'll be very honest, in the past uh, year or two, uh, just been like nomading around. And when I had like a home base and I was serving a lot, I was like, I could rattle off to you every single contraindication. Um, but at this mm-hmm. moment, I would have to like bring up my, you know, my handbook and look right, at all right, of right. it. But there are actually quite a few contraindications. Yeah, actually quite a few. Right. Um, and okay. that's one thing before you receive combo, it's good to go through all of those. And like, you know, for me, I have a waiver, a medical waiver and all of these different question, a question, medical questionnaire that you have to go through and make sure that you don't there's a procedure and a protocol of course because it it can be dangerous but it's it's really Mm -hmm. not I'd like to say like I feel very safe with it even though the other day I'll I'll be honest with this the other day I served my current partner and it was so terrifying because he has really low blood pressure which is not necessarily a contraindication but because it brings your blood pressure and your heart rate down so low, um, you can faint. So he has a history of 
fainting and he did faint and he didn't just faint once he fainted a second time and a third time and a fourth time and i was like okay this isn't normal this is terrifying so i contacted one of my friends Mm. who's a doctor and she said okay well you just go through like this and see if he's fine this is happening this is happening i'm like okay he's fine but I mean, every individual is unique and you need to consider all Mm. of these different things before receiving it. Like a generally healthy individual is fine receiving combo. I've never seen any issues. Even this the other day wasn't actually an issue. He just, he fainted, you know? Yeah, just felt scary. Yeah, it's one of those things, you know, I think like we we all drive cars, even though there is a risk to driving a car, but the benefit to driving a car outweighs the risk. And so I think we have to start to approach psychedelics. I heard someone saying this and I just thought it was so true, but I can't quote them because I can't remember who it was, but whoever you are, bless you. Like we have to start taking psychedelics in the same accord, like having a culture around psychedelics. It's like, yeah, there are some risks. And if you're healthy and don't have any contraindications to say, you know, psychedelics and and you're doing them in a proper set setting with an experienced guide. And some psychedelics don't need an, as much an experienced guide. Others do, they're higher risk, but there is some risks involved, but the benefits are worth it in the same way that the benefits of driving. We're not like, wow, people get in an accident. Some people died, so we should all never drive again. It's like, we've all decided collectively, like it's worth the risk to us. And I think we're at a point in history where we're deciding collectively that we need healing so desperately mm. and these medicines are so capable of supporting that healing that um, we're stepping over that threshold and we're going to find out what happens. Yeah. Stay tuned for <laughs> <laughs> the next episode of Earth. <laughs> I love that you talk oh, on love. that. Like we are, I mean, everyone <laughs> drives, like most of us drive every single day or like every single week. And it's like, it's actually really dangerous. Every time I'm on a busy highway, <laughs> yeah. I look around Around, especially in LA, right? I look around and I'm like, wow, do I just trust all of these strangers that they're not like fucked up or drunk or high and they're not going to hit me? Well, it's like the craziest thing that we do this. Like, Take your life in your own hands. Crazy <laughs> act of trust. And it's like, you know, but I'm scared to take a mushroom that grew out of the ground next to me or grew out of some cow shit, whatever. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Bless the dung. I mean, yeah, in Australia, it's like as soon as it rains, go out to those paddocks. You know, you, you're a farm girl because <laughs> there's going to be mushroom in that cow shit. Oh, oh shit. Did I just drop some, some information on y'all? Everyone's going to be rummaging through the cow shit after the rain. Um, oh wow. Wow. God. Oh, my gosh. I feel like we just scratched the surface. We're probably going to have to do a part two. Um, this is amazing, my love. Like, we kind of just connected on Instagram. I was like, Hey, do you want to be on my podcast? You're like, yeah. And now I'm like, Whoa, I'm so grateful that you're here. This is a beautiful connection. You're an incredible woman and grateful for the work you're doing in the world. And speaking of if our listeners would like to connect with you and your work, where can they find you? Yeah, I am everywhere as Lana Shea, L-A-N-A-S-H-A-Y on Instagram, wherever all the channels um popping up a podcast soon doing all the things but now that i have a book out i'm easy to find (laughs) look for lana shay look for lana shay you heard it here first (laughs) thank you so much sister thank you that's it for today awakened one and just a quick thank you from me thank you for gifting us with your most precious resource your time and attention so that we can make this world a more awakened place and if we're not friends on instagram yet then we absolutely should be so come on over and say hello at angelica alana and i'll see you there and see you next week